Hello, everybody. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show, and it is show number 50. Happy to have reached 50 shows. Happy to be on air. We are live at the Port Jervis Library. We are live on Facebook and uh, on iTunes. It is being recorded, and hopefully you have downloaded it and are listening to it right now. If you're enjoying the show, if you're enjoying it, Please uh, leave a review on iTunes. Please leave a review on Amazon uh, for the book and all the things that are happening on education, leadership, and beyond. Happy to be back on. It is show number 50. And before we welcome in today's guest, uh, we are going to get to our opening concept. Uh, But coming up next as our guest is Jack Appleman. Let me get this in here. He is the author to 10 Steps to Successful Business Writing, uh, and he's here to my left. We're going to meet Jack uh, in just a minute, um, and he's got a great story. He's got some great writing and, and doing some great things, uh, so very excited to meet Jack today and have him on on the show. So as we are approaching a year of the show, I'm at you know at 50 right now, and uh, we're going to hopefully get to show number 52, uh, but my good friend and one of my mentors and someone who's been a big help to me Uh, Dr. Rob Gilbert, professor at Montclair State University, he's approaching 10,000, not 10,000 years, that's a little little old, but he is approaching 10,000 messages on Success Hotline. Uh, If you have no idea what I'm talking about, get a pen, write down this number, 973-743-4690. That is the number to Success Hotline. They're today's uh, sponsor of the show, and they are also the opening concept. Dr. Gibbs is a sports psychologist, again, at the University of Montclair, and he is at 10,000 messages. He's been doing this for over 20 years. I think he started in 1992, uh, if I am correct. Uh, Doc, if I'm not correct, uh, you can uh, have that out with me later, but... He's been doing these messages every day for 10,000 days consecutively, which is just unbelievably impressive. And I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, we are approaching where he's got six more messages to go to get to 10,000. And uh, call the hotline, 973 uh, It's free. It's not a gimmick. Dr. Gilbert, uh, some of his concepts that I've learned over time, Better to do a little bit each day than a lot a little. And certainly making three minutes to call the hotline is one thing you can do. Um, He's inspiring. He's told the story of uh, the power of a single experience. Even just getting the idea to write this book uh, was the power of a single experience uh, meeting Dr. Rob Gilbert in his class. He's talked about enthusiasm, being into what you're doing, having spark and, and, and excitement for it and showing enthusiasm. And then on the days where you're not into it, or maybe you don't have it, faking it, make it making, making yourself enthusiastic. Um, 
he's been a great friend and and very happy uh, for him as he approaches message number 10,000. Additionally, we just celebrated Memorial Day. Certainly a shout out to all of our uh, friends in the military, men and women, our soldiers, and, and those who have served. Um, but on Memorial Day, one of the traditions of Success Hotline, and if you've been calling for some time, you know about it. One of the traditions he has uh, is called the seven C's. And the seven C's, uh, uh, chips, cake, cola, chocolate, candy, and cookies. I repeat. Chips, cake, cola, chocolate, candies, and cookies. And if you were writing those, uh, that's only six. But there are seven to the seven C's, and the seventh is complaining. Those that uh, are, are strong in the uh, calling the success hotline, those that get into it, you know what I'm talking about. And it is um, not eating any of those from Memorial Day to Labor Day. And you might say, Andrew, Dr. Gilbert. Jack Appleman, how do I not have any of those? It's summertime. I'm going to barbecues. I'm doing all that stuff. Um, you've made a commitment, and you're looking to be healthier. You're looking to maybe shed a few pounds. And that is one of the best things I've seen in terms of dieting, eating healthy, and, and things like that. The seven C's. Write them down again. Chips, cake, cola, chocolate, candies cookies and complaining about all of them or not having them. No complaining. So that was one of Dr. Gilbert's things. I've been calling him for over two years and uh, I started in the spring uh, some years ago and, and uh, a, a great tradition. So I've just started. No more uh, chocolate, no more chips. I'm a chips guy. Oof. So uh, thank God there's not a pee on there because uh, I go with pretzels from time to time. But certainly from Memorial Day to Labor Day, there will be none of those. And again, a shout out to my friend, Dr. Rob Gilbert, Success Hotline. Give it a try today. He's approaching 10,000 uh, in six more days. 973-743-4690. You'll be happy you did. So we are going to uh, shift gears here and we're going to meet today's guest on show number 50 on education, leadership and beyond. And today's guest is Jack Appleman. Jack, I'm going to slide over and uh, let's get you in on camera here. It's a little a little close for comfort. There he is, everybody. This is Jack Appleman. Jack, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Andrew. A pleasure to be here. Yeah. Nice of you to come on. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, your book today. And, and here it is for all of our uh, our viewing audience. Let's try to get that on there. 10 Steps to Successful Business Writing. And there you are, Jack. Jack Appleman. So, Jack, Tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, I know we're going to get into this book. Sure. Well, I have been a communication professional my whole career. I started out as a journalist, then went into public relations. And what happened while I was working in public relations for an insurance brokerage firm in New Jersey, my boss said to me, Jack, why don't you give some of the insurance salespeople help with their writing? So I gave a 45-minute writing workshop. And I said, wow, I really enjoy doing that. And he noticed, he noticed you, you were pretty good at it. Is that yeah. why he identified you? Well, yeah, I was, I was the PR guy there okay. and a small department. And I know I saw that the people in the workshop got a lot out of it. Okay. And I started doing more of that. 
And then I went out on my own as a consultant. And I decided this is what I want to do. Teaching writing became my passion. And I started doing that. And then I eventually wrote the first edition of the book in 2008. And the second edition came out a few months ago. Okay. I just mentioned the power of a single experience. So that boss that you had there, he, he, he brought you in and, and yeah. sparked something in you. Yeah. Well, I always felt that uh, people made writing too complicated. And sometimes I had trouble understanding things. So it's a question of getting back to simplicity. Simplicity is the most important part of good business writing. And that's what I stress in the book. When I was in school, Jack, you know, some of those classics, I know, you know, but they were just, they were just over my head. They didn't, I didn't identify with them as a kid. And it wasn't until I found something that I had passion about sports that got me into reading and connecting with those books. You talk about in your book, um, it just, it, it brought things to in such good perspective for me as a principal. I write a lot of emails and a lot of uh, uh, work through that. So tell me, what's the difference in, you know, business writing versus leisure writing or story writing? In business writing, the punchline comes first. You have to get to the point right away because I'm a professor as well. And I tell my students, now if you write something that's not well written, you may not get the grade you had hoped for. In business, it's worse. If you write something that's bad, people won't even bother reading it because they're very impatient. They'll move on to another task. And it's not like writing in high school or college where you have to satisfy minimum word requirements. People in business want you to get to the main point as quickly as possible. And a lot of people have a hard time doing that. So how do you mix in creativity and, and things like that? How do you, you know, if you're just trying to, how do you make sure it's alive and, and, and with some spunk and some flavor? You could still be creative. You could still use compelling language. You could still make sure that you are addressing the person's needs, the person you're writing to, what moves them, what's important to them. We, I told, we talk about the with them, what's in it for me. Mm -hmm. That's the way you make your writing uh, come alive. You inspire people, inspire people at work to do a better job. You brought up, I didn't know it, it was called WIFM. I was going to say W-I-I-F-M, but you talk about that in the book. Uh, let me pull that up. That's on page 87. Um, tell me about that concept. There it is. Persuade readers to take the desired action and, and the what's in it for me. Tell me about that. Most people do a very poor job of persuading because they think about their own perspective. Let me give a quick example. If you want people to say in a company adopt a new a new software and learn a new software program and you send an email and say, we have this new software program, please learn it. You've given them no good reason to learn it. You want them to learn it, but what about them? So you have to address their with them. The with them is probably, I want to save time. So if you leave the email with to reduce your administrative time by 20%, learn this new software. If you don't start by addressing the person's with them, what's important to them, then you really have a very poor chance of persuading them. And what if you're the boss and you say, do this software because I'm the boss? The end result is you want them to do it. So you got to. If you're the boss, yes, people will do it. But then you're then you're losing them in, in terms of, of respect. The people are not going to want to work for you 
in leadership, one of the keys to being a leader is to get people to want to work hard, not because you told them to, but because it's right for them. It's better for them, better for their careers. So that's part of being able to write in a way that uh, takes that takes into account somebody's with them and understands where they're coming from. You know, when I read this book, here it is. Here it is again. 10 Steps to Successful Business Writing. And I spoke with Jack. He is going to offer a free book uh, to uh, the best comment that's left on the blog. So we are going to put the blog out soon. Um, but I didn't expect to have a lot of stories in here, Jack. Uh, but one of the stories I liked was uh, about the email when you talked about uh, the, the, the high def uh, video machine or, um, you know, the, instead of someone whose warranty had just expired, right? And, and you talk about that and saying, you know, you should have bought the extended warranty. I can't help you. You, you told a, a story really on how to write that email differently. Can you, can you touch on that? Yeah. Well, in this case, this was a, a, a company who has to write an email to a customer saying, we're sorry. Marina. But, yeah. We're not, we're <laughs> not going to, Marina, we're not going to honor your, your warranty. So you could say, well, we're sorry. We, um, uh, we, we appreciate your business, but we, we can't honor your warranty. It's too, you uh, submitted it too late or whatever. Instead, you want to show that you understand, in this case, Marina's plight. Yeah, we, we understand. It must be very frustrating to have a product and then have it break down. What we could do for you is this. So first of all, you say that you show the person that you understand what they're going through. You show empathy. Then you offer solutions, offer some compromises, and do it in a way which shows that you have the other person's point of view in mind. Instead of writing the same old company line, it could be a template, plug in the names, we're sorry. At the end, we say, we appreciate your business, but you really don't appreciate the business. It's Because you didn't do anything yeah, for it. Yeah, it's just lip service. How do you show empathy then in your writing? Give me an example of how you would do that. Well, you have to put yourself in the person's standpoint. In that, in that case, you show, you show, you say something like, "It must have been very frustrating for you going through this," or if the business situation, say, "I can appreciate what you went through in not getting this report approved. It's happened to me several times." So it's about putting yourself in the shoes of the other person. Once you, you can't just say. I know how you feel. You have to use words to show it. That's a great uh, story. And the other one I liked in this in this section, and this was uh, number six about choosing the right tone. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the talk I have with my staff and things like that, um, uh, the email doesn't have tone. You can't read tone in email. Well, you you disagree with that, and you do talk about that. How you can uh, show that. Uh, there's tone. So you go through a whole, he's got a whole thing on here. This reminds me, Jack, and I'm sorry, I can't get that right. This reminds me of the, the book, Eat This, Not That. You're you're offering maybe what they shouldn't write with some solutions in here. But tell me about expressing a positive tone in the emails. Yeah. The best way to say it is through an example. And when we work, we all get frustrated. We get frustrated with other people. Maybe it's a coworker who keeps doing the same thing wrong. It's important not to show your frustration via email. Right? For example, 
if you read a colleague's budget report and you thought it was it was terrible, it was all it was confused you, and you say email, your budget report confused me. What the other person may be hearing is, you're an idiot. You can't write a decent budget report, even though you're not saying it. And of course, not everyone's as sensitive. But I try to imagine that everyone reading what I write is sensitive. So instead of saying your budget report confused me, you turn around and be more productive and say, I need you to clarify a few points about your budget report and specify which, which of the points you want to clarify. So instead of making a criticism, make it productive and let's, how can we do, do it better going forward? Doc, uh, Doc, sorry, Jack, one of the people watching here I see alive is uh, Deanna Stevenson. And she's a trainer uh, who's worked with me at my school. And really what you're talking about is, is feedback, right? It's not what you say, it's how you say it. Mm -hmm. um, but you're really putting your heart, you're really putting compassion and feelings into business writing, which yeah. is really something that yeah. you wouldn't expect. Well, you need to because now everybody emails. People don't like to talk on the phone anymore. Yeah. Everyone likes to email. And text. Yeah, and text. And you have to be very careful. It's a lot easier to control your tone when you're speaking mm -hmm. than with email. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And people misinterpret your tone all the time. It happens to all of us. We, we try, but we have to be very careful how we use our words. And instead of getting frustrated with somebody, say, okay, this person screwed up or whatever, but I'm not going to say it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to work together with this person, see how we can together solve the problem going forward. I love it. I love it. Uh, and the book, people complimented me on my book. Here it is here behind us, the principle. Um, and the, you know, it was very simple, right? And I enjoyed writing it. Um, but let's go through some of your points. You have 10 here. And the first one is, um, you know, easily and naturally, right? You know, speak like you write. Yes. Uh, oh, sorry. Write like you speak. I, like I, I, speak. Yeah. Yes. And um, people... Uh, that was some of the feedback that I got. Um, but what what is that concept about? Tell me about that. A lot of executives are surprised to hear me say that. It's good to write like you speak because we tend to speak much more naturally than we write. Yeah. In my coaching sessions, this conversation repeats itself all the time. I say to the person, I'll say, Andrew, I don't understand what you're trying to say in this paragraph. And Andrew says to me, Jack, I'm trying to say this, this, and this. So you know what I tell Andrew? Okay, then write this, this, and this. <laughs> For some reason, when people explain things out loud, it seems so much clearer. And good business writing should be conversational. It shouldn't be stuffy. You don't want to be – stuffy doesn't mean being more professional. Being more professional be, means getting to the point as clearly as you can. So, again – Write like you speak, because when we speak, we we'll, we say it. We tend to say it much more naturally. And good business writing should be conversational. Like it, John Feinstein was a guest on the show. He's a big sports writer. You said you were a sports guy. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to have him on the show, and he talked about your know, passion for writing and and write what you know about. And obviously, you were pretty good at this, and. Yeah. and it, yeah, it must have came right, right, easy to you putting this on the on paper. Yeah, well, one of the reasons why I wanted to write the book because uh, I started when I started 
shifting my career from public relations to teaching business writing and coaching business writing and, and writing projects for, for people, I, I noticed that uh, the techniques that I developed really resonate with people. And the te techniques were about keep it simple, um, write like you speak, think about how you'd, how you'd say this out loud. If you have yeah. a stock, if somebody asks you a question about it, and I said, so much of what I, I've uh, read in my life is so confusing. Instructions are putting things together. I'm mm. not mechanical. I need clear instructions. I usually don't get them when I'm putting something together. So I decided I can help people. And so I decided to put everything I know into write, writing the book. That was the first book uh, in 2008, which did very well. It was actually it was uh, translated into, into Mandarin. Oh, so and then and I wrote the second book. Uh, it came out a few months ago. Jack, let's shift to number two here. I love it. You write uh, be concise, explicit, and clear. And and you you go on to the list here again. I'm going to show it up for our Facebook uh, audience. Get this microphone out of the way. You know, it's got a list on here and. Using Twitter now, you kind of really start to focus on the word space, right? Yes. But you have a list here of repetitious words versus concise terms. You know, for example, advanced warning or just warning. A warning is is yes. in, always in advance, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, completely filled. <laughs> I, ne I never thought of these, you know? I never well, that one's interesting because the way I got that is I remember going on flights. And they say that before you board, say that be sure that your carry-on fits underneath the seat because we have a very full flight. <laughs> I mean, I guess people are on top of the plane or hanging out or whatever that means. Merge together. Right. Yeah. Well, what, who, what else? Is, <laughs> you can't merge. Exactly. You know, my personal belief, my belief on a daily basis, uh, really, it's just, the, you know, it's very simple as a lot of the concepts you talk about in here. But it really, so I, I, that's, I've added that into my, uh, into my work. Another one that resonated with me is uh, your organization to promote understanding. And one of that is a, a visually appealing email. Mm -hmm. I never looked at actually what it looked like on the page. That's, yeah. that's an important yeah. point. Number four. Yeah. To make emails visually appealing, probably the best way is make sure you use spaces. Uh, and what I like to do is I like to complete it on Word, even if it's an email, and make sure I'm happy with the way it looks in Word, and then transfer it to email. You have to be careful. Sometimes the bullets don't work well in mm -hmm. emails. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. it's really about giving it space and separating, separating ideas. One of the biggest mistakes writers make in organizing is not separating their ideas. We are a soundbite society. We like things in small chunks, one idea at a time. Don't confuse the same idea in the same two ideas in the same paragraph. Yeah, and you break your book up like that. They're broken up into these ten steps. Yeah. Why did you pick ten? Did you have eight? Did you have fifteen? Did you have a dozen? What you know? I I, I got to one twenty five in my book, and uh, I went back and forth, and a hundred, and one hundred fifty, and one hundred forty. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the, the true story of how the title came about. Originally, I was working with with the the publisher. Okay. The title. And I had all these cutesy titles in mind, and they suggested 10 steps to successful business writing, which I thought was kind of dull. But they were the publisher. They were they were dictating most of the terms. I said, okay, that's fine. 
boy, I'm glad they picked that title because it, it says it all. 10 because it's a it's a round number. And and there are it, it's a reasonable number of steps for people to follow. 25 or 30 would be would be too many. Yeah. Did you have 10 when you pitched your manuscript or did you pitch the script and they came back with 10? Which one happened first? They came back with it with the title of 10. Okay. So I had to figure so out what were the, 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 the most important 10. So I had to divide the steps up because some of the steps overlap, but it's something people can get their ha hands around. 10 steps. Yeah. Yeah. Number nine is, and we're talking a lot about emails, you know, but is electronic communication. Um, what is texting doing to business writing? Well, it's it's texting language has infiltrated emails. People are used to texting, so they use uh, abbreviations and acronyms that they shouldn't. I'm guilty. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it does it depends on the corporate culture or the people you're you're writing to. I generally advise people to stay away from acronyms unless you're absolutely sure somebody knows what the stands for and not to use texting language. You're texting abbreviations that don't belong in emails. You touch on that in this in part of the book, too, about when you should get back to somebody, right? right. There are those that text or, you know. How about that? Look at that. Great. We made it through it. Yeah. Well, we're talking about writing. We, we're going to have to talk about internet um, soon. Texting, emailing, your number 10, um, and I've learned a lot about this in the last year, is social media copy. Mm -hmm. Writing on social media. Twitter has some rules. Um, this We're going to have a blog that goes out on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that and, and applying these skills to social media yeah. writing. The social media writing, you really apply most of the same skills you would a regular email or, or document. The difference is, is that you have to have you have to be more conscious of your headings. People look at headings, social media. So your headings need to be, they need to be compelling. They need to lead readers to the right place. 
Um, you need to have short categories. You need, you need to have things uh, short. You need to have maybe a quick links. So again, it's a lot of the same principles, but you need to think of think of uh, think of things in small chunks and with headings. And is that because they're reading them on devices, or is that because we're we're a quick microwave society these days? It's both. Both. It's both. People uh, probably more than more than right now more than a ha half of emails are read on, on mobile devices, and people read everything on I I read everything on mobile devices. So you have to. And a lot of people are websites are being are being modified so they can be read on mobile devices. So, so when you write social media copy, you have to think about well, somebody's going to be reading this on a mobile phone. How can I make it as simple as possible? Right? Short headings, short in information, links to other places, and really, really have to however much you write, go through it, write less. Well, then I'm going to put you on the spot, Jack. You know, we're going to put out this blog here in, uh, in just a, a week or so. You know, I'm going to need a catchy title for the blog. We want people to read this. You know, we want people to respond so we can give away a free book. I'll even give away a free book of mine. We'll give one and one to the best uh, uh, responses on there. But if we were going to write a blog, or well, I am going to write a blog about it, but uh, a title. Give me a title for today's interview. Keep it simple. I was thinking, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. I like it. Um, Jackie came with your wife today. Uh, she escorted you here to Port Jervis. She and, did. Uh, do you have a, a family? In, uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. I, we, we live in uh, in Monroe. We've lived in Monroe for uh, about 28 years. Okay. I have a, a wife, Rosa. I have uh, two daughters. Um, younger daughter is Sarah, works in PR in Manhattan. My older daughter is Gail, who is uh, married to Grayson. And uh, I have a great, uh, beautiful granddaughter, Nora. So Nora there and Gail, go. if you're listening, and Sarah. Yeah. Hey, hi, Nora. There we go. Your pops on here. Uh, have you been correcting their grammar uh, your whole life? <laughs> My daughters have both been, are both very good writers. And they really they haven't called on me too much. Okay. I do help them with, with their resumes. So okay. Their resumes. But in terms of their, their schoolwork, they did fine on their own. Uh, I have that sign in my office given to me by my wife. Uh, uh, I'm silently correcting your grammar. <laughs> you put it into a book here. Yeah. All right, one more question about the book, and then uh, I got a rapid-fire question. Sure, sure. Number seven is about put your best grammar on the page, mm -hmm. you know. Um, with all the texting, and, and I do a lot of voice-to-text, are you see is is are you seeing grammar go away by the wayside a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. It, what what happens is, again, it's all about texting, texting language infiltrating emails and, yeah. and other documents. Yeah. Um, people are lazy. People are are lazy. Who cares about grammar? Well, the problem with poor grammar is that it makes you look either ignorant lazy or slop, even if you're not any one of those three traits, don't have any one of those three traits. So what I really suggest to people, again, if you're writing to your buddy, you want to write a text or an email, that's fine. But if you're in a business setting or, or a school setting, every email you send, you should be comfortable with anyone seeing it. When I have an important emails, I keep it in a Word file, make sure I'm happy with it, do my spell check, and then paste it to emails. So the answer to your question is yes. People people are getting very sloppy with grammar. 
with emailing and texting. Yeah, I have a strong English department in my school, and they always always help me out. You know, Mr. Marathi, you missed this, you missed that, and it's never been my strong point. But uh, I agree, it is very important. Uh, my for I haven't written a second edition, but I had a misprint or a, a you know a, a typo. A, yeah, and it was oof, it was rough. It's amazing how many proofreaders there are out there. That well, it, it's tough to find a book without a typo. Yeah, I mean, it's just we're all we are human, and the the spell checks can't catch everything. Yeah. Jack, we got a, a rapid uh, portion of part of the show. It's a fan favorite. Um, people enjoy listening, so it's a quick answer. Okay. All right. You ready? Ready. All right. Your family's watching, so uh, they want to see how you do. What is the worst mistake you see in writing? People being too wordy. Too many, too much. Too much. Real quick, Thomas Jefferson once said, the greatest thing people could do is never use two words when one will do. How about that? Yeah, over 250 years ago. How about it? The last book you read? Camino Island by John Grisham. Oh, you like that? Loved it. I'm, I love Grisham. Yeah. I'm listening to the Rooster Bar now. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to have to uh, write that down about Thomas Jefferson. Our last movie you saw? Fahrenheit 451, the remake on HBO. You happy with that? It was okay. I like the original better. Okay. You work with a lot of leaders, CEOs, corporate leaders. Yeah. Um, you know, you're working on their writing, but I'm sure you get to know them a little bit. Mm -hmm. What are the three most important characteristics that you think uh, are for a leader? Leaders need to, one, they need to lead by example. They need to... They need to motivate people to do a good job, not just because they said it, but to show people why it's why it's right for them. And they all also need to create an environment that that supports feedback, that encourages feedback. Those are three real good points. Feedback, uh, again, my, my mentor and friend was watching here. Um, it's important how you give feedback, and uh, th th those were good, Jack. I like that. Uh, is spell check a good thing or a bad thing? It's great. It's just that you can't depend on it solely. It's great. I always use spell check. But you use spell check, and then you review it. Because if you have the word is and you meant in, spell check won't catch it. I'm catching that. There's a difference between spell check and proofreading. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I did bring a water for you here. And, and here it is. Well, that was, uh, we'll back you up. We're going to keep going a little bit. Uh, any other podcasts that you listen to other than uh, Education, Leadership, and Beyond? Yeah, no, I'm not I'm not a big podcast person. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, I hope uh, you're connecting with our audience here because uh, we have a lot of educators, a lot of leaders uh, okay. that listen, so this is good. I think I will start listening to more podcasts now after, after hearing yours. Cool. Best practice that one can do to become a better writer. We won't count that in your rapid fire answer. <laughs> yeah, well, not not quite as rapid, but the, the most important thing to, to do is to again. I'll, I'm repeating myself. Write like you speak. One. Also, take the time to review your text. In other words, don't only draft it. But allow some time to review it. When you review it, you see things that you want to change. Yeah, that's a good point. You're on point. Uh, what's your favorite uh, genre of uh, book? 
contemporary novels. Like not, nothing like getting into, after you've had a busy day at work, I can read a business book, but that would have my mind spinning. Nothing like a, a, a Grisham novel yeah. to relax me. He's a great storyteller. Oh, yeah. And our friend John Feinstein as well. Yeah. Uh, your last name is Appleman. What's your favorite type of apple? How about hard apple cider? Oh, That's okay. my favorite. If I knew that, we could have been celebrating oh, here on the man. Uh, I should have told you. Man. You know, I treat myself with the honey crisps every once in a while, but normally I'm a gala guy. But we, you know, a little upgrade with the honey crisp. Sounds good. Hard apple. I would have brought it. I would have. Man, we'll have to we'll have I to set that it. up. Your the best accomplishment that you've had working with people in writing and and you know, for you and or one of the people that you've been working with, what's the best accomplishment you've seen? The best accomplishment is when somebody tells me that thanks to my workshops or my coaching, they're getting better results. They're having fewer back and forth emails. They're becoming more efficient or they've gotten a promotion because they're, they're more productive. I'll give the answer collectively. Most important, my important, most important accomplishment is to have thousands of people be able to get better results from their writing. Thanks to what I, what I gave them. Yeah. Cool. What would someone, well, you just said that. You just said, I was going to say, what would someone say that really liked your coaching? So I'm going to skip that. What would someone say if they didn't like your coaching? If someone maybe didn't connect with you, what would some of the feedback they'd give you? Well, they, or they just don't say anything. Well, some of the feedback they might give me, well, this, this was too uh, simplistic. It was too obvious. Yeah. But it is. But why aren't they some, doing it? Some, right? right. Sometimes the, the techniques for good writing are somewhat simplistic and obvious. When I give a workshop, I say, I didn't really tell you how to do this. Mm -hmm. You were able to write clearly and concisely on your own. You were able to figure out how to use the right tone. I just gave you the guidelines. But a lot of good writing is using your common sense, is figuring out, well, what does the reader want? How can I put myself in the reader's shoes to figure out what the reader wants? It's not really any more complicated than that. Put these in order. Content, grammar, or vocabulary, or and vocabulary. Put them in the order of importance. Same way you said them. Content, one. Grammar, two. Although Those are a close uh, one, two. You mm -hmm. can't have one. Obviously, if, if your content is uh, doesn't make sense, good grammar is not going to help you. And if your content is great, good grammar is going to um, distract people from getting the message. Vocabulary, I will put a distant third. Um, I think it's great to have 